And welcome to the 10K Month Podcast for Online Coaches with me, Afro Duritu. If you're new to this, you're probably thinking, who the hell is this guy? Having been in the coaching game since 2016, I know the ups and downs of having zero clients and struggling in the beginning to serving over 80 to 90 clients on a regular basis in my previous coaching business. I've won several awards such as Entrepreneur of the Year at the SME Awards 2020, featured in various publications such as NatWest Business Builder Program, as well as being a NatWest Business Accelerator alumni member. And now I serve and teach online coaches who want to acquire high ticket clients using my unique client acquisition system. So strap yourself in and listen now on how you can grow and scale your coaching business. Our work is an expert weekly. So every week I'm an expert in the world of entrepreneurship, business or marketing. Today's guest is Daniel Knowlton, a UK-based digital and social media marketing expert has grown Knowlton into a multi-award-winning business that has worked with the likes of FIFA, Wall, Nesquik, Citibank, Eurotunnel and Boston Consultancy Group. In addition to running Knowlton, Dan is also known for giving his best insights away on the world stage. Dan is also the co-host of Business Anchors Podcast, which is a business podcast you'll get excited to listen to on the weekend. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me. That's yeah. a lovely intro. Yeah, Thanks. Oh, yeah it's, I love these intros. They're so good, aren't they? So yeah, so... Yeah, but, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So let's kick off the show. We'll, we'll, go, we'll start with what we kind of talked about before the show was, because obviously you work with your brother and I work with my wife. So what is that relationship like and the dynamics of it? Because there's not many couples in business. There's not many brothers in business. So it's, it's just an yeah. interesting topic. I think it's it's interesting. Like when we were younger, I think before the age of, uh, I think there was a turning point when I turned about thirteen and he was like fifteen. Yeah, we hated each other before and argued. <laughs> didn't hate each other, but we constantly argued and bickered and yeah. you know knew how to push each other's buttons. And then we got to an age where we realised we could both team up against our parents. Ah, and we made friends. <laughs> um, so from then we've kind of had a really good relationship. And we, but to be honest, it's 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 working incredibly well. I think we spend so much time together inside and outside of work that if it didn't work, it would be horrendous. So it genuinely does work really well. What about you and your wife? How does that work out? So it's similar-ish. It's kind of like we have those moments where we're like, I love this and it's fantastic. And because you've got someone to talk about, because it can be quite lonely, like Mm. being an entrepreneur or in business on your own. So we've got that. And people Mm. look at us and go, power couple, power couple. And then sometimes you're like, oh, God, it's so annoying. You can't get away from it. Especially now. You're in the same house all day, every day. There's nowhere to go, is there? Yeah. <laughs> I guess the thing that I haven't got that you've got is I guess you live together as well. Yeah. So you're working and then living, whereas I get to get away from Lloyd's just in yeah. the evenings. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just during the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we still spend time together at the weekends. Like, yeah. we, we, we do get on really well. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have kids then? Interest or does he... uh, yeah i've got a son i've got a one-year-old yeah. son oh nice uh and he's got a four-year-old son yeah i think he's four yeah. um <laughs> and yeah so it's it's quite nice we we spent well before covid when you could meet yeah. people we'd spend yeah. a lot of time together but now we're in lockdown so not much of that going on yeah definitely what's it like for your parents then because they, are they proud of you or are they thinking these crazy boys will they sort themselves out <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so... <laughs> My my dad, um, my dad's been in business for like thirty years, oh. running his own business, and he he's been our kind of mentor. So when oh, nice. six years ago, I started working for his business, and Lloyd came in, and and then we started our own thing, and he's kind of mentored us and really helped us along the way. So he's really really kind of proud of us, and yeah. so is my mum, I think. Um, 
But yeah, he, he has quite a lot of input into our business now because he's run a successful business for a long time. He's helped us a lot along the way and given us advice and stuff. So that's, that's super handy, isn't it? Because then he yeah. understands the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. I think what he's done is he's helped us um, to make less mistakes. I think we've made loads of mistakes, don't get me wrong, because that's what helps us, has helped us grow. But he's kind of um, advised us when something's happened. He said, oh, when I did this, don't do that because this may happen. And he's, Mm. but also a lot of his thinking compared to how we think in business now is kind of outdated and different to how we look at business. It's an interesting mix of gaining advice and support, listening to most of it, but not listening to some of it to help shape our own sort of journey. Yeah, I think it's like with any bit of advice really, isn't it? You kind of take what you need and then leave the rest. I think if... Yeah, 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 definitely. But he's he's definitely... um, He also, before he ran his business, he ran a a manufacturing plant of like 300 uh, employees. So he's got a lot of experience in managing people, which is something... I haven't got a huge amount of experience in Lloyd's Lloyd has, yeah. uh, which is he manages our team, but he's definitely t- told us a few stories and taught us things about managing people and that kind of thing, which has really helped. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And how do you find the balance then? So like, have you, did you predefine the roles between you and Lloyd before? Yeah. So uh, no, not initially. <laughs> <laughs> I think when, when it was just us two, it was like just figuring out everyone's doing ev- We're both doing everything. Yeah. And there was not much structure. And it's sort of like, oh, this piece of work's coming. You do yeah. this, I'll do that. And we just sort of didn't really have much of a structure or approach, really. But obviously, over the years, as we've grown our team, even it, it took us until, I think, like last year or the year before last to properly yeah. define our roles. So I'm now, I now head up our sales and marketing for our company. Okay. Um, he's the CEO and manages the team and manages the projects we deliver. And having those clearly defined roles has really, really, really helped because before we found that sometimes we'd both, things didn't get done because we'd both presume each other would do it because no one had the responsibility for it. Whereas now it's like, this is my responsibility. Anything to do with sales and marketing of our business, I head up, I have to get the people involved I need to. And it works a lot better like that. We found everything we've learned is just through doing things in a rubbish way, realizing <laughs> that it's rubbish and then figuring it out as we go along. Yeah, I think sometimes that's the best way to learn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I did a degree at um, Brighton Uni, yeah. um, a business management marketing degree, and I learned nothing oh, yeah. <laughs> compared, compared to what I've learned through actually doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's just um, so you learn so much more by doing rather than just theory, I yeah. found. What do you think of that? Because I, I remember someone is a lady called Jessica works for a marketing agency and she qualified she, and uh, I think her fees were like 50 grand or something ridiculous. Mm. And, and then she realized she learned so much more in that one year versus like you just said, education. What do you think of traditional education, especially when it comes to like marketing, social media? Yeah. So my, my opinion is only based on my experience and yeah. it's probably going to be the opposite to a lot of others. But I personally think, um, from my experience with university, what I gained, and this is very cliche, yeah. I gained a huge amount of life skills and how to you know, work in a team and, in, and communicate with people and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But I didn't learn much about marketing at all. And I think because even at the time, I think there was modules to do with web design um, and I got my mate to help me with that because <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But social media and, and digital marketing is changing so frequently. Surely yeah. things you're learning now aren't going to be relevant. I just think... If I look back, 
I, I think I'd be a lot further ahead if I would have worked from the, you know, ground up in an agency. Um, and uh, I would think I would have learned a lot in terms of, yeah, marketing, doing that. So I think it's taken me quite a while to get to here yeah. compared to if I was, you know, however many years ago I started uni when I was 18, 10 years ago, if I'd have started an agency. Yeah. But, you know, I don't like to kind of look back and regret anything because I think I learned a lot of life skills and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that makes sense because it's the same for me when I went to uni. It's like I made great friends and networked, but I didn't really learn much. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to know, like, the specific things I learned in terms of life skills. Yeah. I know I did because I came out a different person to going in. You can iron but it's, you can cook. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to, like, pinpoint the... Yeah. But also now, how expensive uni is, oh, I definitely God. wouldn't go now. It's triple the price. Yeah. And also, with COVID... Not being, you, you don't get the good bit, which is the experience, because you're locked down in a room. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan, to be honest. I, my advice to myself yeah. ten years ago would be potentially don't go to uni, go travelling for a year and get that fun bit out of the way yeah, and learn yeah. your life skills there. It's cheaper, and then go into an agency and from the ground up. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think. Yeah, talk to you about mm. COVID then. So, what's it been like for you guys in lockdown? Because it feels like um, lockdown two oh, point ten or whatever it is now. I don't even know what we're on anymore. Like, yeah, so it's so it started out. Um, it started out as a lot of our client camp just paused all their campaigns when we went into the first lockdown in March, because we couldn't do. You know, we didn't know what was going on. There was a lot of panic, and we were sort of quite concerned that you mm. know we we were doing we were in line with our growth, our targets that we wanted, and then suddenly everything went on pause. So it's quite worrying. Um, and then uh, after that, it kind of completely turned around and we went all in and, and promoting our business and, yeah. and uh, focused on our marketing. And we, we, we won a few really decent big projects. We hired two more people. And um, since then, it's, we've continued to be getting decent sized projects and it's kind of all worked in our favor, which sounds horrible to say. Yeah. <laughs> But um, the only positive out of COVID for us really is that it's sort of helped our business. But, you know, I know it's dreadful for lots of other people. But, mm. yeah, business-wise, it's, it's, it has actually been okay for us. Is, is it weird, like, because people always think... I, I think when I talk about COVID, it's like the game of two halves. One people are like, yeah, it's been brilliant. for, And other people are like, I hate it. It's horrible. It's And it's like yeah. you're almost treading on tiptoes to... Like, yeah, it- I obviously obviously it's terrible. People dying. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's Stop awful. It, yeah. Um, but I guess, and I, uh, you know, business wise, yes, it's been good. Business wise, it's also not been good in the sense of our team hasn't been able to be together as yeah. much as we'd liked. Um, and that's really where, you know, the growth happens. I think when you're together mm. and you're bouncing ideas of each other, it's all good and well having Zoom meetings, but you know, they can get tiring. And so it's, it's been good for growth, but I still feel like it's nowhere near as good as it was when we could all meet up. And also that obviously we've had to change a lot with video shoots and things. There's a lot more precautions now. Everything's a lot more careful and there's a lot more to think about. So overall, I hate COVID, (laughs) but in terms of um, demand for our business, it's saying that though, I think we're on a trajectory to be growing anyway. So I, I don't know if I can specifically sort of put it down to oh covid happened because for years we've been building our presence and you know nurturing relationships for deals that have converted now so yeah yeah, yeah i guess it works that way doesn't it because you're at five six years in now six years in now yeah, yeah. yeah. so um 
yeah, six years in, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Started out not having a clue what we're really doing and then learning along the way. Yeah, makes sense. Talk to yeah. me about this wig thing then. Because <laughs> obviously, it's you were like, did you? This is how I saw it anyway. I saw you guys with the wigs, and I was like, who are these people? It's just like, it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Like the sketch with, is it you and your brother, and you're doing the, um, is it he's pretending to be applying for a job? Work with you yeah. guys. I, that was the first one I saw, and I was hooked. And yeah. so, what, how did you come up with these ideas and concepts? So, and... so um, six years ago when we started out, I um, I didn't know a huge amount about marketing and I was really self-teaching. I'd done a degree, yes. I didn't know a huge amount about digital marketing. And um, I just started consuming articles, learning about how to build an audience on social, trying and testing lots of different types of content, you know, trying to do make videos, looking back at some of those, they were absolutely awful. And I spent about two years trying and testing lots of different content. And, and some of it did okay, but none of it really, really landed. And in 2017, um, Lloyd and I wanted to try something different and we wanted to produce a testimonials video. So our yeah. customers saying, oh, you know, good things about us. But we knew that that's boring and no one wants to watch <laughs> a video of people saying, oh, Knowlton are great. We really like working with them. Um, so we thought to make it a bit different, we'd dress up as different characters yeah. and pretend to comment on like little witty comments talking about working with us. Um, and posted it and on, yeah. on Facebook it got a few thousand views which at the time to us was like viral yeah. and it had about 50 comments of people saying you know this is really good brilliant and we converted some business from it directly oh, nice. from that yeah. video so that was really the first moment we were thinking this unique approach of creating content that isn't just sort of sales focused it's actually focused on entertaining and, yeah. and making things a bit interesting so that was the first point and then since then we've tried and tested a whole range yeah. of different um, types of content one of which you're talking about, which has landed really well on LinkedIn, is sketch-based content where we yeah. we act out different sketches that tap into relatable situations that marketing teams will relate to. And yeah, it's evolved from there, really. Yeah. yeah. So is there another evolution coming up with that or is it the sketches are working um, really well for now? No, I think I definitely, I think one of the things we really have kept saying is we don't want to become known for just doing wig sketches. Yeah. Um, which is why we've we've we test and w constantly work on different creative ideas, um, because we could just if we wanted to we could just keep creating sketch-based videos knowing they're working. Yeah. Um, however, we'll you know we'll just be known for that, and also we you know we don't want to just be known for that. There's a whole range of creative things we could do with video to show, you know, our skills and what we could do. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I saw the, the case study one Lloyd did recently, and that was. That's pretty good. I've never seen it in that version or way before, where it stops and starts, and, and that went really well. Yeah, that was, I think that we did make that video because we realized everyone thought that we just made weird wig yeah, videos. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it, you know, the backlash of that working really well was that people thought, oh, they're the company that just makes funny videos, when really, for clients, yeah. we don't make any weird wig videos. Um, we do a whole range of different types of content to drive a trackable return investment. So we really wanted to show that we do other creative things, yeah. not just these funny sketches. Cool. And then you mentioned the trackable piece then, because that's the bit that always lands with me is like, you always word it in there somewhere. So w did you sit there and think of this line or was it used? Because for me, I've used agencies before and the biggest frustration mm. was there was there was nothing tangible to come out of it. Yeah. And I think I think that's what you're solving. So I'll let you explain yeah. in more detail. And 
The way it's come about is is literally what you've said. A lot yeah. of the feedback we get and new business that comes in is is from people who say we've worked with an agency before and there was nothing yeah. tangible. There wasn't a clear return on investment. So over the years, we've realized our customers are constantly saying they want this. They want some kind of trackable return, which makes complete sense. It seems pretty simple. Yeah. If you're in, investing in marketing, it's an investment. You want a return. And we know how to deliver that trackable return. So, uh, in, you know, we've started to make that messaging really clear and it has really landed. A lot of people comment on us, you know, because we we don't just talk about providing trackable return investment. We show evidence, we show yeah. examples of how we're doing it. And that's our real focus is is providing creative marketing solutions through content production and paid ads that drives a trackable return on investment. Yeah. Nicely said. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot. Cool. And then, um, so talk to me then. So if I was going to come to you, I'm like brand new to all this. I'm like, all right, I want a video made. Because that's probably the biggest question you get a lot of. But people don't understand the context and the the meaning mm. and, the re- and the trackable result. All the stuff behind it. Where would you yeah. start? So I'll come to you. I think we always, you know, some sometimes we do kind of shoot ourselves in the foot because some people come to us and say, we've got this budget, we want a video like this. Yeah. And we could quite easily just say, yeah, all right, we'll do that. Yeah. But, you know, through over the years, we've, we've really want to focus on providing value for customers. If we made this video that you randomly said you wanted yeah. and, you know, it didn't perform in the way you wanted, it would look bad on us. And mm. we've got the insights, the knowledge, the experience to know what you should be doing based on our experience of our own marketing and working with other brands. So um, the first point is really having a kind of discussion around if you came to us saying you want this video, why do you want that video? Yeah. What, what's that going to achieve? What, what's, you know, what's your overall objective? And really asking the right questions to understand what their motives are and what they're trying to achieve because, and what they're currently doing and, and understanding a bit more about that. Once we understand about that, I can then start to think about, okay, so you want to achieve X, Y, Z. Have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about that approach? And, and even, again, shooting ourselves in the foot, sometimes uh, customers... Uh, you know, we're not the best fit. And there may be other types of marketing solutions that we don't specialize in that we say, and we've got partner agencies that we've built relationships with, you know, someone wants to rank first on Google for something. We're not SEO specialists. So we'd be saying, you know, go and speak to these guys. So I think it's taken a few years to get to a point where we're confident in what we specialize in and the value we provide. And actually, you know, saying no sometimes Mm. rather than just yes all the time. But this is easier to say once you've built up a sort of presence and you've built up a bit of experience. Starting out, we'd say yes to everything because we wanted to pay our bills. (laughs) Makes sense at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So about the podcast then. So you kind of like, you guys have launched a podcast since last year, is it, I think? February-ish, I think it was. So what was the idea? Oh, it was, yeah. 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 Um, The podcast, so the podcast came about because one of our kind of marketing mantras or whatever you want to call it is yeah. that 20% of our marketing should always be testing something completely different. You know, just like I said with the wig thing, yeah. that worked well, but if we're not constantly testing new things, eventually that's going to stop working and we, we need to be testing. So the podcast was a test. Yeah. The podcast was, um, we've got the skills in house to do it. Yeah. Let's try it. Let's see how it works. And, and, and we, you know, we, we realized one, we love doing it. Yeah. So us, you know, we're brothers. We love sharing stories, talking about 
stupid stuff we've done in business, sharing things we're learning. I think we've got quite a good sort of dynamic together. For li- this yeah. is the feedback we've got that we, you know, we're brothers, so we can we chat about stuff in a funny way and poke yeah. fun at each other. And um, so it was a test. And then near the end of last year, not the end of last year, like summer last year, we converted a pretty big deal. And through speaking to the marketing manager, he discovered us on the podcast. Uh, so that was like the first thing that we that made us think, yes, this this test <laughs> is actually working. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's something we've continued to do, and we're we can like we're actually building out a new podcast set downstairs oh, nice. in our studio, and we're currently working on Business Anchors 2.0, which right. is exciting for us. Where we're gonna have lots of cool different segments in there, and it's gonna have a whole new studio and things. Yeah, that's kind of the background of the podcast. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I like it because it's just very casual, very laid back, and the jingle at the start is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lloyd Lloyd came up with that. Yeah, like all of our good ideas, he yeah. comes up with. Does he take claim for all of them? <laughs> yeah, no. He, I tell you what, he is an ideas man. He's yeah. really, really good at ideas. Um, so yeah. yeah. Okay, and then when you come to brand awareness, then so why video then? Because then obviously, like I think it's. Is it Mark Zuckerberg said video is going to be like 95% consumed on mm. Facebook and all the stats that come out with it. So why is video so much more powerful than written word or audio? Um, I don't think necessarily it always is. Okay. I think there's, um, again, I can only sort of give advice based on my personal experience. Yeah, We've had a lot of success with video um, and I think video really helps you. It's the closest thing to, to someone standing in front of you. So it's yeah. it's it's a powerful way of communicating emotion, uh, context, and 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 that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think podcasting is also pretty powerful at the minute, just because um, you know the, the thing with podcasting, you could be doing other things whilst you're consuming it. Something I find yeah. quite annoying sometimes about if someone says, "Ah." Oh, I've talked about this thing in this video and the video is like 20 minutes trying yeah. to filter through and trying to find the bit you want to this you want to hear about whereas something like an article you can quickly search for it but overall yeah I think uh, videos videos great videos is yeah. <laughs> worked really well for us um I don't know what do you, you how what's your experience been with video I, I think I, for me personally I I consume a lot of YouTube if, if that's okay. what you're referring to. So I, I would sit there for a period of time. But then when I discovered podcasts, I was like, oh my God, this is so much easier because like you said, I can drive, I can do other yeah. things whilst listening. So I, I would tend to be more podcast driven now, but also video in terms of versus reading. I'm not, I, I, I can read obviously clearly, um, but I'm not a massive yeah, fan because yeah. it's, it's quite hard to concentrate for me for a period of time yeah. long enough to consume it. So if there's a video, I'd watch the video. Yeah, I think as a like as a business uh, with a with your marketing strategy, I think yeah. it's important, like I said, to kind of test different things. Yeah. Don't just think video is the best thing. Test, you know, just do video. I think it's important to try different types of marketing channels and also think about what your customers are consuming information yeah, on. Like, definitely, if none of your customers are watching YouTube videos, but you're there on YouTube, like trying to build your YouTube channel, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? So do, yeah. doing that research piece and trying to figure out where they are, but also thinking about your your skills as a human being, yeah. especially if you're sort of uh, an independent person or an independent business, it's just you. 
um, you know, and you're doing all your marketing, you're doing all your content production. If you're not, if you, if you're not, you know, very good at video editing, but you're a wicked writer or you're wicked yeah. at speaking and you know how to record audio, podcasting might be better. Or if you're a wicked writer, blogging might be better. Yeah. So I think it's about trying to think about your skills as well as, you know, what everyone says is the best sort of thing to do. Yeah. Like everyone's speaking about Clubhouse at the minute, which is the new social platform. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it, it's also important not to get kind of, uh, distracted by shiny objects every year people say oh this year's the year of podcasting the year of video the year of vr the year yeah. of clubhouse whatever you want to whatever i think yeah. it's just trying not to get distracted by those new shiny things yeah i'd agree i, I think like we'll talk about clubhouse in a second actually but it's a great point i think it's just knowing yourself and knowing what suits you and suits your dream client or avatar whatever you want to call it as many names for it and it's find that balance because people, like you said, jump on a lot of wagons. And as an entrepreneur, it can be like, ooh, shiny object, ooh, shiny object. And you get yeah. caught up in that perpetual cycle and don't really build anything. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen, you, you look at some really successful people that have gone all in on one kind of marketing channel. Like there's a, there's a guy called Brian Dean who's um, like talks about SEO a lot. Yeah. And it, when you look at his articles, they're, they're like in-depth tutorials that drive tons of traffic to his website. He, yeah. he goes all in on producing these amazing written articles and it, they're like the best in the industry. And then you look at his social channels and it's very poor. Yeah. Um, but, but that's because he knows his skill and he's gone all in on focusing on that. And maybe he has a small presence on these other platforms that, you know, people may want to speak to him on, but he's going all in on, on his, what he's good at. Yeah. I think that's an important kind of point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, and definitely. What, what do you think of Clubhouse then? What are your thoughts in general? Um, so I've had a, I've had a, so start with positive. Yeah. I've, I've actually spent some time on there, and I've listened to some really interesting conversations from some quite high-profile people who you wouldn't normally be able to listen to live in that capacity and have yeah. that kind of engagement with. So I think. I've I've heard because I listened to one. There's one clubhouse. There's a guy called Josh Constant Constantine. He used to be the no. head editor at um, uh, TechCrunch, um, but he's got this clubhouse uh, that he does. Um, he's really credible people. So that was my good experience. Bad experience. I think as a marketer, investing time in a platform where the only value you're getting is when you're live and you're using it and you're speaking and you're in a room. In terms of like marketing oh, yeah. value. Yeah. I think it's very tough to for me to decide to invest a huge amount of time there when you know you could invest time in creating a video for LinkedIn or a podcast that people can listen to for the next 10 years. It's, I, I don't know, it's, it, there's lots of people ranting and raving about it. I think it could be one of those channels that, you know, Twitter brings out a feature that is basically Clubhouse and no, everyone stops using Clubhouse. So yeah. I don't know. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I think kind of the same really. I, I've... I've noticed one thing. I talked to a guy, I think you're on his podcast, Ash Borland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I spoke to him recently about it just to get more insights because I, I have been that shiny object guy. And I was like, <laughs> right, I need to stop doing that, essentially. And it's like focus on one platform or one way of doing things. And yeah. it's become more prevalent now, more than ever, thinking, right. So I took a more strategic approach. So we mm. had a conversation beforehand. I looked into the pros and cons. I went on it for a little bit. And I decided, actually, I'm not going to jump on this one. Because yeah. I, I just think it's not right for me right now. And it's not what I want to do because it's just, again, a massive distraction. Overall, the concept's great. And I think it's, 
it's great for people who have an audience already to move it to another yeah. place. That's what I think. I also think like even just thinking openly, talk, speaking out loud now. Yeah. I um, I don't know. Sometimes I just can't be bothered to speak to people in a live room. Like, yeah. you know, like so, sometimes with social media, it's quite nice to passively either consume stuff and be yeah. typing and replying. You don't have to be switched on and be like on the ball with everything you're doing. Yeah. You're in a room where you've got to have a live chat. I just, I don't know. It's, it just, it's not something I don't think I'd enjoy. My, saying that, there's people who love, yeah. you, you love constantly speaking. I deal with them, but for me, Yeah. At all. yeah, I feel the same because I was, I said I was on it and then I just, the, the focus it just takes so much attention away from what you're doing. It's such a massive distraction. It's, yeah. it's like a time drain. I was like, I can't spend all this yeah. time here to build this audience to then leverage it for something. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Because even when you build ads. the audience, you're <laughs> then it. only getting value really from when people are, you're in a room and having a chat. Yeah. You're not kind of, because there's nothing recorded. It's not like people can listen to your conversations. No. They're recorded and it's like your profile's there and you're only sort of getting value when you're in a room talking. But yeah. And also, one other thing, just while I'm on it, a few times I've listened and it seems like in some rooms, every it's kind of like a, a, a hidden sales pitch when oh. someone's like, oh, so-and-so, what's your opinion? They're like, hey, I'm so-and-so from this company. We do X, Y, Z yeah. and da 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 and it's like, oh, well, I thought this was where we're listening to interesting conversations, not yeah. someone giving up, reading off their their achievements before yeah. they speak. Yeah, I, I've noticed that it's, it's subtly. Well, is it subtle? I don't know if it's subtle, <laughs> but yeah, it's intertwined yeah. in there or not. It's like, hi, I I do this and this and this, and then yeah, um, yeah. So I didn't I, ask you that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ask for your opinion. It's, it's but true. We'll see. I think we'll see as it evolves, yeah. and um, I'm kind of in the background, clicking on it every now and again if there's something I think's interesting, but just kind of keeping an eye on it but yeah 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 that yeah I'm, I'm the same it'll be there but i'm not gonna lever it that, that might be like 10 percent of the time i might spend yeah. it if that like you said about yeah. the 20 percent dabbling that might be that time if that yeah yeah okay cool and then so you do obviously you just you just yeah, speak you do speaking mm. gigs don't you or used to do when you could on stages so and mm. talking about the whole pitching because have you been on stages where you've seen people pitch um i have yeah, yeah. i've been to uh, you know pre-covid i was yeah. going to quite a few events throughout the year that's obviously fallen off the edge of a cliff yeah um but yeah i've i've been at events when people have gone stage and clearly pitched and it's it's very awkward yeah. and uh i don't think i've I, I i just to this day i've still never seen an example of someone pitching on a stage and it it not making everyone feel awkward and yeah, I'm really not a fan of that. Yeah. I think like that's that's a known across the board now. Like it's people know not to pitch on stage when when you speak at an event, you should be providing value. For, you know, talking about something interesting. Just pitching is. I don't know. Have you have you experienced it? Yeah, I have. I, I actually did one myself once, and it flopped. Like oh, wow. you said. So I was the first awkward position. I was like, I never went back and did that again. And I'm like, right, I'm not never doing that again. What, as in, did you just go up and just pitch when it was a... So I did my speaking and, and then, then I sp pitched at the end. So I'll be open and honest with that. So I did a pitch at the end oh, of it. Oh, wow. And it absolutely flopped. How did it go? Terrible. <laughs> 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 I look back now and just think, oh, God, what was I doing? But at the time, you kind of caught up in the wave of it and you get taught that and you think, okay, this and is how people do it. But it's it's not. To make you feel better, 
Yeah. When I started out, I I probably was way worse than your pitch, yeah. and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I think even the the bit that was supposed to be good was yeah. just me nervously trying to say stuff and no one understanding what I was talking about. Yeah. So. So don't worry, everyone does does things like that. <laughs> no, no, it's it's something to laugh about now, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So yeah, what? I'm sure. You, but you learn you learn from these kind of things, don't you? You learn. Oh, yeah. This is the whole thing about making mistakes. Like, if if I look back at some of the we talk about this on the podcast, some of the stupid stuff we've yeah. done in in business, it's it's the big mistakes that make yeah. you never never like always remember to not do that again because of the impact they've had on you. Yeah. Like we we had a pitch before this is years ago that we didn't realize was a pitch the client was oh. expecting us to turn up with with like a, a pit you know they they're like interested in working with us yeah. but we drove hours away just and, and acted as if it was a meeting because we thought it was just a meeting so at the end they were like oh have you got your presentation we were yeah. like presentation <laughs> it's those kind of those kind of mistakes that make that you never forget yeah yeah i yeah i remember one time i think we were um I think we were at a university, university or something and, and me and my wife were there and it was just meant to be, I thought we were just going to go around and talk to students and then she goes, oh yeah, you, you're on stage in a minute and I was like, what? So there was about 50 <laughs> odd students there and I, I was like, I just went, I, I didn't know what to do. I looked at my wife and she just looked at me and she was not going to move. I was like, right, fine. I have to step <laughs> up and start talking. So I'm just, I'm just talking about random, like obviously the topic we're in, which was at the time was personal training. I just started talking about it, but it was so bad. It was like, and at the end, I used a line that some, another person uses, like very um, some cheesy line out of a movie. I used it at the end, and I was like, why the hell did I come up with that? And it was just so awkward. It was so funny. Uh, but, those are the best stories, though. They're, they're the ones I love talking about because yeah. it's it kind of makes us seem human as well because we yeah. all, everyone does stupid stuff, yeah. it, but it's it's not always easy to talk about it because you don't want to ever make yourself look stupid. But yeah. I think when you get put to a certain point, you're just like, we've all made mistakes. Yeah. It's just funny to talk about the stupid stuff we've done. Yeah. I, I listened to someone actually on Clubhouse talk about that and he said, he never shares any of like his mistakes, or whatever. But he works with billionaires or something, so it's different for him. But then somebody was talking about it's once the kind of the wound has been healed, it's okay to talk about it. So you just need a bit of time, don't you? Really, and then you feel like actually that was stupid. At the time, you're like yeah. broken-hearted, and it's the worst thing. In the I world. also, I also think it makes you more likable as a human. Yeah, I think it like the opposite of what we've just said of sharing your mistakes and talking about you know oh so stupidly did that. The opposite yeah. of that is being arrogant and thinking you're brilliant and talking about how amazing you are all the time. Yeah. And people do do that. Yeah. So so imagine how people feel about that type of person that's there saying, oh, I'm brilliant, trillionaire, <laughs> successful. Like, you know, how you feel about when someone's doing that compared to someone who's actually more vulnerable and says, yeah, yeah. I like you just did, I pitched and it went terribly and I learned from it. It makes you more likable, I think, yeah. as a human being. Yeah, I agree with you, 100%. So what has been like the biggest like mess up, if you like? I won't swear. Ooh. <laughs> there's been a few. Um, oh, the biggest mess up. I think there's been, uh, I'm trying to think of like one massive one that's made us all almost like fail as a business, yeah. but there's been loads of medium size, like not really realizing a pitch is a pitch. Yeah. There's another one when I started out in business, I basically didn't know about qualifying a customer before investing time in working with them. Oh, so yeah. I, I invested like a day's prep and drove a few hours away to 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 meet someone and they had like a 50 pound budget. Yeah. So 
Um, oh, Lloyd, is that Lloyd say something? Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Sorry, I did. <laughs> now he's saying all of them. I, I <laughs> he's got like a list. Um, yeah, I, I deleted our whole website. It was on holiday oh. and spent about five days trying to get it back. <laughs> did you have to start from scratch? Uh, um, uh, yeah, we pretty much had to rebuild the whole thing because <sighs> I, yeah, I just deleted it, which is stupid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, like I don't know, speaking on stage, um, just not practicing enough, not yeah. rehearsing enough. So I'd think that I'd need, I could just go out there and talk, and then realizing I definitely haven't rehearsed this enough. So I've, you know, you yeah. fumble your words, and you, you just know when it's not coming across very well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I could go. I could go on all day. <laughs> if you want to keep hearing about how rubbish I am? <laughs> Oh, we'll go the opposite way in a minute. No, but I remember yeah. that I had the same one with the website thing, but I was like, I deleted a file and I was like, oh my God. And my heart sank. Then I was like, I ran out to my wife and I think I deleted it all. But thankfully I didn't. But unlike you, you did. And I was like, oh, that was so much. Creating a website's a pain in the ass as it is. Yeah. But to delete it all. Oh. I, I've even, um, oh yeah, that, that just makes me feel nervous you even speaking yeah. about that. Because yeah. I remember when we did, like the feeling of when it it's all knocked there. Yeah. And you're like, it's not working. Yeah. Um, but even like even more recently, I've 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 learned from mistakes I've made where I, for example, I've focused too much on pitching in in like a meeting with a client, and I've kind of learned that that didn't work very well. Yeah. I think it's constantly trying. I think the good thing about still making mistakes, and and now I still make mistakes every day, is that you're pushing yourself to try new things and and. Yeah. yeah to try new things if you're constantly every day thinking oh yeah everything went well today nothing went wrong <laughs> no, no mistakes at all then i don't know you must be some kind of god or something but yeah. you're you're not pushing yourself enough yeah, i agree because i think even when I, I do sales calls and i haven't i hadn't done it for a period of time and i was a bit rusty and i, I jumped on one i was like oh man this did not go well like in my head i was like that was terrible so when i went back to drawing board and got back into the the routine of it because far has been doing all all the sales yeah. calls my wife and I, yeah. and I had to like dust off the old uh, sales jacket and get back into it again. And yeah. At least you're, the good thing though is that you're self-aware. I yeah, think yeah. The, the scary thing is there's lots of people that would have got off that sales call and thought it went brilliantly. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past of, of not being as self-aware as I should have thought things have gone well when they haven't. But I think again, yeah. through making those mistakes over time, I've been like, oh, I thought that went well, but it didn't. Maybe yeah. I need to try and re sort of, uh, uh, learn the situation and try and figure out, be better at figuring out what's going on. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's been the biggest... Tell me like... some more of your mistakes. Tell me some more <laughs> of your mistakes. Too much focus on me doing bad things. <laughs> it's like badminton or something, or tennis. <laughs> um, I, I made, on my show, I talk about all the time. So I'm, I'm open to sharing my mistakes. Oh God. I don't think, what, any other ones I can think of? <laughs> I, think, I think they're the, probably the biggest two that stand out was the, the speaking on stage bit. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's got to be one of the up there with them. And <laughs> I actually did a post on this. I just listed all my failures ah. because I, just, I did like in 1995, whatever it was, the year, and I just put all the failures I did. So like yeah. what, one of them was actually when I tried to, I wanted to actually got put on a performance management as a sales manager in, a, in Debenhams, in the retail right. store. So I, I absolutely... And again, this is me thinking I'm, I'm the best sales manager in the world. And then, <laughs> and then I was in charge of the store for like six months because the store manager went to another store. So there's an interim yeah. period of me running the store. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm doing well here. New store manager comes in. 
just absolutely annihilates me and says it's terrible. What is this? What is that? I'm like, what? I've been on my own. And I, got, and I got pulled into the office and then she was like, right, I need to put you on a performance management type plan thing. I, I, I turned it around and then I was like one of the better managers. But man, in that moment, I was like, shit, I didn't realize it was that. Yeah. Was all right. <laughs> the realization. Yeah. 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 So I've had many of those moments. Oh, good. <laughs> Not just me then. That's good. No, I don't know. Cool. No, no. I feel Definitely. better now. <laughs> Balanced it out. So what's been like the biggest high then for you then? The biggest, the what, biggest, sorry? The biggest high or biggest like win, if you like. Um, I think for me, the, 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 the bit I love most about my job and my role is when is winning deals because yeah. I head up the sales and marketing for our business. The best feeling in the world is some is a client signing an agreement saying that they want to give you a significant amount of money. I think yeah. that that's, that's the biggest high for me. Um, also, I think like looking at, uh, looking at our team growing and looking at yeah. how they're developing. I think previously I, I was very sort of, when it was just me and Lloyd in the business, I was very yeah. internal, you know, this is my, what I'm doing, this is my responsibility. But now as the team's growing, I am sort of starting to get, get some, a bit of a high from seeing them all sort of progressing yeah. in the company. Um, but definitely it's winning the, winning the deals is yeah. my personal sort of. <laughs> Do you have like a little bell? <laughs> I tell you what, oh, was, we actually got it out the other day. What we used to have was an air horn. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, well, but that was when we were in my parents' back room before we moved into this office. One and whenever we went to do it. I knew I'd get it in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even plan that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, that was... Uh, I haven't been doing that in a while, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Dust off the old hair horn. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, talk to, so, you've got plans. So I think you in your podcast said 2030 is when you mm. want to, like... Sell up essentially. You've got like a little plan for that. Is that to sit on a beach and drink bikini paladas? Or well, the, the the plan is to to get the business to a certain size where we could sell it yeah. for a certain amount. But that doesn't mean that that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I think we're we're working towards getting to that position. I think when we get to that position, I think then it'll be a case of us deciding what we want to do and that kind of thing. But I definitely wouldn't be the kind of person to sit on a beach and yeah. all that. I think I'm always going to want to try and, uh, you know, look at what I can have input with that, you know, businesses and other things that, but who knows, you know, I reckon it'll be something that I haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. That could be, you know, might get, get into golf or something <laughs> random. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's true though because you never I never thought I'd be around like 10 years ago you just end up being yeah. there don't you over a period of time I think when you what 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 makes you feel good what makes me feel good and fulfilled is knowing that I'm building something yeah and, and that can be very generic like could be building a podcast yeah <laughs> building a business building my performance as an athlete which has never happened but like <laughs> do you know what I mean it, it could be as long as as long as you feel like you're working towards something I think the the worst thing in my mind right now would be say we we sold the business in 2030 yeah. and then what we're we doing now oh we're gonna go sit on a beach I think yeah. oh, God. that I constantly want feel like I need to be working on developing myself and thinking somehow so it could be learning new skills as you could be like yeah. you know learning kite surfing or learning something yeah who knows yeah. kite surfing and golf look at that <laughs> decided combination. <laughs> So, so you mentioned about what do the team think about that then? Because if you're obviously open about it, are they thinking you know when it comes to 2029, they're like, I better start looking for another job or what? What's that? 
No, no, I think we're very open with them. They all, yeah. they are all aware of the kind of plan. Um, but also, you know, if that was to happen, which I said again, I don't know if it would. We're going to yeah. build a business position. We could do that. We'd ensure that all of the team's jobs are secure, and we yeah. it wouldn't be like a yeah, sod you team. You know, <laughs> we, we'd want to whatever we were doing, we want to ensure that it was in line with what the team wanted as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'd be speaking to them and not just sort of throwing them under the bus and saying, "Yes, Zach, yeah. gutted." <laughs> We're off to a desert island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was harsh. Uh, <laughs> so, so you mentioned about self-development then. So how, how do you, do you read books or listen to podcasts? How do you develop yourself then in your skill set, if you like? Yeah, so a number of things. And I, I dive in and out of different things. So yeah. uh, reading, I went for a phase of reading books. And I'm yeah. now really trying to push myself to read more. Um, I read at bed at night. That, that's yeah. one way. Um, listening to podcasts, yeah, li- always listen to podcasts. Yeah, I constantly consume content, whether it's video or reading articles and and that kind of thing. Um, also, uh, one of my mates is um, really high up in a in a as a as a sales role in a tech company, yeah. and he's currently giving me sales coaching, oh, which nice. is which is cool. Um, and also uh, just constantly scheduling in the time to learn. So, for example, we use a sales and CRM system called HubSpot, and there's so yeah. much you can do with it. Yesterday, I had a call with someone from the company to figure out how I can learn more about how to get better use of it. So I think it's scheduling the time to yeah. do it, yeah. which is difficult sometimes because we're all so busy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have like a, a detox on my calendar every year and go, right, what's important? And kind of put it, map it out in Google Calendar. And then at nice. times I'm like, I, I, I can ebb and flow out of it. But then every weekend I'll sit and go, right, okay, how did that go? And then readjust it and reassess it and go, I don't need that bit anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good because like, I think most people don't do what you no. just said. I'm a weirdo like that. I th- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's admirable. I don't think you're a weirdo. I think that's, I think it's also sticking to it as well. Yeah. That's... I'm, I'm not perfect. I, I've i've loaded things in my calendar that are like right i'm gonna learn this thing yeah. oh no i've got this pitch i need to focus on and it just gets booted out the window yeah. so yeah but it, at, at least kind of you we are know that that's something that's going to have a positive impact and we yeah. we work i think that's a good yeah. thing pat ourselves on the back there we go yeah, <laughs> yeah. good boy All right, yeah. good job pat <laughs> <on the head>. <laughs> um <laughs> so um so you mentioned then about sales training so how's that going then I'm, I'm always fascinated by psychology of sales and the art of sales. Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm like not a sales expert or anything. Yeah. But what I do have is is a number of years experience in selling. Yeah. Uh, and you know I've read a few books that have been really helpful. And I think the way I've learned with sales is through doing it and making loads yeah. of mistakes. And um, there's a book actually that I that really helped called Gap Selling by a yeah. guy called Keenan. He's got this approach to, um, and in the book it actually gives you a structure of how to structure your sales calls. This you might find this handy as well because yeah. this is how I structure my sales calls. Yeah. The way he sort of said it. Um, uh, but yeah, you, like looking at their current state, what their future state is, and analyzing the gap in between the two so yeah. that you can sell a solution. Um, that's really good. Currently, my sales coach best mate has um, told me about a book called spin selling that I'm currently really reading, which is another really interesting one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a lot better salespeople than me, but I've just sort of learned by doing really. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you uh, always been in t- the sales type role then? 
I think uh, unknowingly I have. When, yeah. when the business started, I was always the one speaking to clients. Didn't realize it was selling. You yeah. know, again, naive me just thought I'm meeting people to talk about providing a service, but all of it was selling. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I learned a bit about selling in my old job at Enterprise Rent a Car as an assistant manager, okay. and um, they had this thing called the Elite Club where you <laughs> where the top salespeople go, and I got in that a few times. Nice, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I like because I think selling is like a, it's a skill you have to keep refining, and I, I think and people like especially underestimate the power of it. I think and and they don't utilize it or think of it as a skill set or they leave it to the last minute or it's not yeah. that important. And <laughs> I think what what I found makes it easier is yeah. when you really believe in what you're selling. Yeah, <laughs> like we yeah. sound stupid and simple, but when I started out we had no evidence that what we did was helpful, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going out to clients trying to say, we'll provide you this social media training. Yeah. We had minimal evidence, you know, only me building up my personal brand. But now when you've got case studies and evidence to say, we've worked with this global brand, here's yeah. what we did, here's the return on investment. It makes your job as a salesperson much easier because you're presenting evidence rather than trying to convince them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's kind of a different way of thinking about it, but still, there's still a lot of ways we can I can improve in delivering that message, and but that's why I've got my sales coach, yeah. best mate, trying to help me. Oh, makes <laughs> sense. So how, how did you get your first few clients then? Oh, that's a good question. I think firstly, networking. Yeah. I signed up to all those breakfast networking yeah. things, you know, worked with like a plumber, a yeah. builder, the local a local hotel, and those kind of clients. I think that was... That was the main thing, just doing every networking thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, and then, then when we when we started to do good work and get good results, then it's a lot of referrals and things. Now it's a lot of it's LinkedIn. We get a lot of business yeah. through LinkedIn and referrals, really, and the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Is that your main source of then um, leads, if you like, LinkedIn? Primarily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. I think it's the platform we're most active on and the platform where we get the most reach engagement and where our old, our target market of marketing yeah. professionals are. Makes sense. So, yeah, that's where. Yeah. Is it common? Do you do Facebook ads then as well? Or just. Um, we do for, for clients. Yeah. Um, that's something that uh, we, we've done in the past, but because LinkedIn's working so well for us and it's yeah. organically, we're. We're going kind of all in on that at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think there's a whole range of channels we could be using to to generate business. It's, try, it's trying to figure out your focus, really, because you don't want to spread yourself too yeah. thin and then you know, be doing every platform in an average way rather than focusing and really getting the most out of it. Yeah, I agree. Because like LinkedIn, I've been, about probably, I've been on it forever, but I've only utilized it in the last like eight months or so. And it's, it's almost like, wow, how did I not know this existed when you get in it and get into it? Yeah, I think it's also changed as a platform. When it first oh, came yeah. out, I remember using it as basically as where you put your CV and yeah. where you get a job. Yeah. <laughs> and then over the years when they brought in video and, uh, you know, now stories and things, it's a, it's a content platform. It's like other social platforms where yeah. people spend hours consuming content. So it's it's now about fulfilling that need rather than just uploading your CV. Yeah, yeah. Where do you see like the future then of um, social media then and content? No idea. No. I <laughs> <laughs> will end it there. <laughs> no, I think this is this is a question I always struggle with. Yeah. Because I tend to, you know, just being honest, I tend to focus very much on what's working now and how we can get the most out of what's working now. Yeah. 
and just just looking on the horizon. Yeah. I think it's with platforms like um, Clubhouse. I think it's always good to be understanding them and you know uh, and knowing their value. But I don't know. I I don't tend to focus on loads on the future. To be yeah. honest, I think that's what Lloyd's for, my business partner. <laughs> <laughs> and brother he he really looks a lot into the future and um but yeah i think what one thing that you know i've just noticed from looking at the evolution of social platforms in yeah. the past is the whole uh, vertical ui like like if you look at tiktok like it yeah. started with snapchat when it was like a, a whole screen experience where it was swipe left right up down rather than a newsfeed. yeah from that point just looking at how platforms like when Instagram copied it, yeah. you know, Facebook stories, um, TikTok, it's we're evolving into a place where it's uh, the user experience is the piece of content is taking up the full screen and then you're yeah. swiping up, down, left or right to go to the next piece rather than like if you think of Facebook, yeah, kind of a news feed where you're zoomed out. So that that's one direction. I think it's only going to get more like that, yeah. more kind of immersive experience with social platforms. But other than that... Um, yeah, that's 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 all I've got for you, mate. <laughs> that's all right. no, I don't mind. You probably get asked that question a lot anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna give me Gary V stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not gonna just regurgitate something that Gary V said. No, yeah, no, just, no. that's my honest answer. <laughs> I prefer it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, cool, awesome. So, last kind of question to wrap it all up. So, if you could give one message to like all online coaches, entrepreneurs out there, what would it be? Or people trying to create video content? Oh, that's a big question. What would it be? One message. I think um, a number of things. Firstly, be patient, which yeah. sounds, that is something Gary Vee says. Yeah. But from, from my experience, I think starting out, I thought I was going to achieve a lot more a lot sooner. Yeah. And through going through this journey over six years, I've realized how much harder it is than I first thought. Yeah. So I think having that patience, um, also something that's one more thing that's really helped us is investing time and scheduling time to work on the business rather than just yeah. in it like regular time to think about you know what's your strategy what how are you going to get more business how are you ensuring you're converting more business how are you ensuring you're keeping clients happy like strategizing and thinking about what you're doing as a business and really trying to improve i think that's the one key thing i'd to yeah. do one key takeaway that's helped us that could help other people listening or uh, watching uh, this yeah i like that it makes sense working on it rather than in it because i think a lot of people just get caught in the weeds and then just and then realize why they're not growing and it's because you never step back yeah. yeah we totally did that we've done that you get you get caught in the vicious circle of yeah. trying to win winning it they're not having time to work on improving and just you know you just your revenue yeah. is just stagnant because you you're not doing anything different to try and get different results. So mm. definitely schedule a day today to, yeah. to strategize Boom. and then a day a week forever. Forever. I like that. That's going to evolve one of those. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I, I just started using it randomly. <laughs> you look on a radio show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, cheesy. Um, there's also like applause, which is terrible. For that. Nice. A Glockenspiel as well, which is just like... Go on. I I never knew what a Glockenspiel was. Until that. <laughs> Magic Love trick. It. Cool. Love <laughs> awesome. It. So where can people find you and learn more about you and your company? And um, our website, nultonmarketing.co.uk, has loads of examples of.
Oh, Dan, you're totally cut out then. Can you repeat that again? <laughs> on our website, noltonmarketing.co.uk yeah, yeah. cool. is where examples of our work and, and also I'm active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Awesome. Dan Knowlton. Good stuff. Thanks, Dan, for being an absolutely amazing guest. That was awesome. Loved it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Now, how would you like to grow and scale your coaching business? If you're not earning enough right now, you're probably not charging enough. And you're definitely leaving money on the table. In fact, without an irresistible offer, it's simply not possible to charge what you're worth. These are the exact same strategies I use with my private clients. If you'd like to learn a little bit more how you can create your own irresistible offer, then I've got a free five-part mini course which breaks down each of these key elements. In this training, you'll learn lesson one, the big secret from going to charging hundreds to thousands so you can finally charge what you're worth. Lesson two is the biggest five common mistakes when it comes to building an offer and how you can avoid them. Lesson three, how to price your offer and hit 10K a month in sales and transform lives at the same time. Number four, how you can give your offer an irresistible sounding name so you're not just seen as another coach. Number five, the nine key steps to validating your offer so you can launch your offer knowing your dream client will buy it. So if you want to learn about this training, head over to www afrodirichu.co.uk that's a-f-r-o-n-d-i-r-i-t-u.co.uk for the latest training let me say it again because it's a tough name to spell i know www.afrodirichu.co.uk or head over to the show notes and click the link there and i'll catch you guys in that training session